The Service Evolution Podcast is brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, Inc. We'll ensure consistently great performance to help keep your business running smoothly. For more information, visit cgpconstruction.com. Welcome to Service Evolution, America's premier destination for service industry leaders. We deliver the advice and insight you need to get ahead in your career, learn new skills, and succeed in the competitive world of service. Our podcast features experts from across the country who provide their valuable insight on topics such as branding, strategy building, and customer service. Whether you're just starting out or looking for ways to take your company to the next level, Join us and discover how to make a positive impact today. What's up, guys? It's Sean Mike at Service Evolution, a podcast that is made by experts in the service field for leaders and experts in the service industry. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Black. Of course, with me is our expert, my co-host, Jim Robinson. Hey, buddy. Good morning. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, to, welcome back, Ben. Feels good to be on the podcast with you again. Yeah, it's been two or three weeks since we've done anything. You're sick. I'm traveling. I know. Feels weird. And then Feels good. put it together, Inside. and then you put all that together, and I'm sick of traveling. So yeah. uh, there you <laughs> have that. So yeah, it's game time, man. Let's do this show. Let's get some content out to these folks. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going to be talking about something that is actually is very important when you're running a service uh, company or or really any business for that matter. And that really is the idea of of crafting your service brand or your brand, what it looks like, what it means to you, that process, you know, how do you measure it? All these different things. We're going to talk about that. And this is a a great topic for you because you're, you know, masterful at this type of stuff. Uh, So I really wanted to kind of dig in and get your, your feedback on, how you did it because i mean you took a company from you know a startup 40 years ago all the way to where he is now you know huge regional multi-million dollar company and people are gonna kind of want to understand how that works with the branding and 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 why you rebrand so why don't you jump into that let's do this yeah year one by the way from from year one was eleven thousand dollars in gross revenue to today the multi-million thing but yeah, it was a, a meager start, and we didn't know a lot back then. But forty years later, we've learned a thing or two. We like two. to share that content. Yeah, let's get on it. So, tell me about what inspired you, first of all, to start your service business, and then really how you developed your brand identity over over the last forty years. Yeah. Well, we started just because it kind of fell into one. I recognized I was a good problem solver. And there was uh, working with a management co- property management company. They had some anchor tenants at some various properties, and we'd go re- make some repairs. I personally were, was doing that just because I'm I'm gifted in in the crafts, basically in the trades, and because that's how I was raised. We fixed everything ourselves, having a farm and so on. But so I recognized the need that we could create a brand or a, or an offering to large clients, large commercial clients specifically, and go after them to offer them our services. 
And it took a couple of years to get some traction to actually start that growing, but that was really what it was. And it it is, I'm a problem solver fixer at my core. And so being able to have somebody call me and say, you know, my widget's broken. I'm like, I'm on my way. I would just <laughs> go solve the problem. And so it got a lot of traction just based on that because it was truly aligned at my core with what I wanted to do kind of the rest of my life is be the CEO of a lot of fixers. And that's really how we started. Love that. A lot of companies, I think, feel the same way or try to get into business for the same, re for the same reason or similar reasons where they, they have a talent set and they want to be able to help people. You know, and then, you know, they learned so much along the way and branding and marketing and, and these things is out of the box is not inherently something that a lot of people know right away. Unless you're in the business, you know, you really have to get really have to study it and have to understand it better. And that's why I wanted to do this, this, this show so much, because there are so many people out there that are in our company or in our service industry that don't understand it, you know? Yeah. How do you think? as a service brand that your brand has evolved over the last 40 years? Well, just the look of our brand has evolved. And it, it was early on, we created something by me. And because I was the guy and I didn't, I didn't recruit everybody. And today I, I wouldn't even mess around. I would literally outsource that immediately. Yeah. And I would encourage our listeners to do the same. You, Make sure that it's one, you just fit your model because there's people out there that study the colors, the colors impact on our brains, who, you know, what, what gravitates to certain things. And they know this stuff backwards and forward. Early on, I started my own brand and I just used a couple of colors that I liked that my was appealing to me. And I created a brand. I literally sat down and colored it. And then I found a painter that would paint the brand on our company vehicles. And his name is uh, Miller, Rob Miller. Oh my and gosh. Still remember this guy because he, he literally took exactly what I had as a vision for. And he, he put this brand on our truck and we became very recognized by that brand by color and font. And then that was when I started realizing color and font truly matters. Yeah. And because I was kind of an old school way of thinking, that brand and that model quickly became antiquated and looked antiquated. And so we we recruited a, a team, come in, presented colors to us, and explained what the colors mean to general society. And then we crafted a new brand or a new logo to kind of go along with the new, which is what we have today. Mm -hmm. Um I give you a better example is Amazon as an example. But my house here in Phoenix was a giant facility being built. And so curiosity is, you know, who's going to take this? So I'm Googling, I'm trying to figure this out. And it's an enormous, enormous building. And the day they painted the one blue stripe, I knew exactly who was going to go there. So for an Amazon... And I'm not a representative of Amazon, but you know that color and that blue that they have is unique to their brand. I would assume the color is trademarked or patented to them specifically. But as soon as they literally put a barely, hardly any stripe, it was crystal clear to me that that was <laughs> going to be an Amazon. 
and now of course it's well branded. It says Amazon has a smiley face thing. It's you know their little their little thing, and it's crystal clear who they are. So you really got to come up with whatever that brand is as an identity piece. That's really important because that represents when you can't talk to somebody. Yeah. They have a strong brand. And you know, it's so funny that goofy kind of dated arrow, that thing still thrives. People get it. And they've evolved around that arrow quite a bit from their streaming services to their shipping to, you know, all the online stuff they do. It's incredible. They, they have a very incredible, it's a very strong brand. Yeah. Very, very strong brand. And they they certainly uh, figured out the market and where everyone would be. And they have a 10-year study, even. I've read their studies. They have a 10-year study that the home buying is going to continue to go up, even though we are regularly talking about making site visits to acquire what your needs are so we can get back into society and reconnect to people so we're not doing it on a phone. Yeah. So they have a different study. They have a study showing that it's going to go up. We, lots of my circle of CEOs are regularly encouraging teams, people to get out, go buy what you need at the facility, be a local player, play with the locals. That's really kind of our model and our brand and what we push. It's interesting. What do you think for, in your experience, what are some of the key components that create a strong brand for you? Well, I would say like this week, as an example, I'm on a job site that we're doing here in Phoenix and the buyer, the client watched an interaction I had and he says, you know, let me talk to you and in private. And so as we were both walking out of the, the site, he's like, man, I've always known you to take care of your employees. And he's like, that guy was telling me he's been with you for 23 years. And, and it, that to me speaks into our brand. It's who we are mm-hmm. and always truly take care of your people. That's at my very core. It's I put them first. When somebody's struggling with something, we jump right in. And that carried through. And for that client, he's known me a very long time. But that client recognizes that. And that's why he keeps buying. And he explained, I didn't have to ask this. He just divulged what was appealing to him. So we meet needs and wants. And if you deliver on those consistently, that becomes kind of your brand. And for him, he was like, you guys are always consistent. You're always clean. And you always serve your people. You've done a really good job. And that's impressive. He says he has nobody that actually does that. And so I I said, you know, our belief is, is just give them more than your competition. Whatever that is, give them more and more of whatever their wants and needs are. And they're never going to leave you. They're going to keep trying to buy from you. And Amazon's done that. I mean, Walmart's, Mm -hmm. all these giant brands they're only giant because they know how to serve people. Someone told me, you know, the difference between a small business and a big business is a, is the big business is just a small business ran really well. Yeah. That's all it is. And because it, it grows because it's ran well, because it's managed well, because they understand their clients and their needs and really dive into them and, 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 and serve them, you know? Yeah. And you got to have a big business mentality if that's truly yeah. where you're going to grow to. 
you got to have it before you're a big company mm-hmm. because it's what's going to guide you to become that company that you desire. If you desire to have that, you know, giant brand and that giant footprint, you got to become that giant when you're still only two or three people deep. Yeah. For those, you know, of us who that are, are in the service industry that are, you know, they're smaller and they're trying to grow and trying to become regional, trying to become national. How do they keep their brand consistent? Because I, I think that's a challenge when you're growing. Well, you know, over the last few years, the big focus has been core values in all the circles, all the business circles. It became the hot button. We didn't always know about core values being defined over the years, at least certainly not in business. And it's been the hot button for, I'd say, 10, 12 years, 15 years. You got to know your core value. You got to know your core value. Well, your core values are very much inherent. And it's it's an action, the way you carry yourself, the way you present yourself, what you and how you conduct business is your core values. And then we said, well, you got to write them. Because now you can convey them to everybody else. Reality is, is that you're interviewing, you're hiring, you're you're hiring people based on your core value just by the commonality and the interactions. So you're really looking for that at day one. And then it's a a no-brainer and it's very easy for them to convey that core. And that is an imperative component. And because it speaks volumes through an extension of your people in the field, through their interactions. I always say success is simple. If they speak in my voice, I feel very successful at that. And so you just diminish the rules, make it simple, and that's really the success story. And so the brand is, when they speak in my voice, they're really speaking in core value. What is our system? We know to care for each other. And then we got a lot of things around what that looks like and feels like, but that's really what it is. It speaks volumes when people are consistent in how they approach And for them to recognize that I've always taken really good care of our employees. He's known me for 20 years and he's, he's never doubted how I cared for our employees. Yeah, that's huge. So Jim, in, in your circle of CEOs, your peers, I know you coach a lot. You're, you're in these groups, you're in masterminds. So you get exposed to so much, so many different types of service industry companies. What, are some of the challenges that you've seen out there or you've heard about or you face when it comes to branding a service business? Wow, that's an excellent question. And yesterday I had a group uh, on the horn. I had 12 of them yesterday. And it was super easy to go around the room and identify who the, who the ones that were really struggling at the embryonic level. That's a very entry side. And they lacked clarity mm-hmm. in what, what their intentions are and they lacked clarity of role. And those have been kind of the standard triggers that we've been seeing as of recent. We're probably just paying closer attention to these very specifically. Roles have to be clearly defined and what their responsibilities or their empowerment to carry through. What is that? And that's even at the very entry side of things. So if you're only three, four, six, seven people deep on the team, what are their roles? They're wearing multiple hats, mm-hmm. but give them all the multiple hats. Give them all of them. So we're crystal clear and you know, who's doing what and when. That's really important. And the other one was, is they lacked branding, like just the logo itself. They, you know, have varying degrees, depends on who they're responding to. 
they have different responses that they're sending and it's there's no consistency so clarity and role and brand or you know visibility with consistency that's really been kind of the standards that i've been working through for a lot of people actually and by the way i'm coaching a a 120 million dollar company and they they're out of wisconsin but this company didn't have role clarity oh my goodness and it's uh it was kind of astonishing to actually realize that at that level in that 120 million dollar range normally you've gone through some challenges and those can hyper correct you they've never identified the roles and so everybody's just wearing multiple hats so there's so much redundancy that they're really really wasting an inordinate amount of time so clarity wow. in the roles is really important yeah I, I don't imagine clarity in roles clarity in brand that all translates through to the people that are seeing the your buyer. company yeah to the buyer the, the buyer picks up on that and they they yeah. will perceive much like you or I we will perceive a disorganization problem and we may not buy because of that. We will we will feel that when we're engaged with them. And they'll say, well, let me call Johnny and see if he'll approve it. That should never be that way. If you're engaged with a buyer, you should absolutely have authority to make the decision whether to sell or, or to, to say no. Yeah. And that's really important. Or don't have them engaged at that level. I love that. I think getting everyone, I was, I was on a, a panel uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and one of my panelists said, you know, they were talking about consistency and, and education and training. And they're, <laughs> they were talking about the weakest link in your company. At some point for sure, it's going to be on the phone with your best customer. <laughs> it's just, it is just going to happen. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's absolutely 100% true. So you got to be consistent in those roles. You got to be consistent in training, education, and all that carries all the way through to the to the to the customer. They see it all. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man. Love this. Oh, it's such a good topic. Okay, so I'm going to take a break real quick. We're going to thank our sponsors, and then we'll be right back. Let's go. Did you know that CGP Maintenance and Construction Services Inc. are also commercial plumbers? They added the plumbing division in 2000 and have been serving the nation's largest brands ever since. They offer everything from cleaning drains, camera work, and grease trap repairs to full repipes and dig ups. So when your brand needs commercial plumbing, remember, call CGP. They are ready to be on site 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They specialize in restaurants, retail stores, commercial buildings, and hospitality. No matter what your plumbing needs may be, CGP is ready. And because they're a maintenance company, they can make the repairs needed after the plumbing is completed as well. One call will do it all. Call them today, 858-454-7326, or check them out on the web at www.cgpconstruction.com. Give them a call today. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sean Black, and we are talking with Jim Robinson, the man that met the legend. That's it. That's Welcome what they call back, me. Man. Welcome back, man. Welcome back. We are and that's what they say. Jim. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about branding and really what that means for service companies and, and you know, and crafting that brand and creating in long lasting impressions, you know, on, on customers and clients and how to do that. And we you know so far we kind of talked about 
how you develop the brand and what it means being consistent throughout that brand and, and through your training, through your people, through your messaging. I want to ask you for you, and there's so many ways to do this, but when you're measuring your success with your branding, what do you look for? I mean, you can get all geeky and nerdy with it and like, you know, clicks and stats, but for you as a CEO level, what do you look for? Well, you're looking at bottom line numbers. If it's aligned with what your projections are, because you can project $50 million or $100 million or $500 million. You, you get to decide this. And you got to decide what success truly looks like first before you say, okay, I've determined I'm successful. This was another topic we just had last week in one of my groups. And it was, we really elevated that to another level because everyone was concerned about in a CEO role, as a CEO, how do you feel successful? And they were asking all that. And you can ask this in any C-suite or any management level. How do you feel successful as a manager or a leader or somebody? And unless you've defined what success looks like, you're never going to find it. And so you really got to, not, not a set of analytics, not with all the cool new data stuff that you can track down. Yes, you can integrate and use components of that to say it's feeding your identity to the success. But you've got to decide what success truly looks like or you'll just never have it. Yeah. So projections is one thing we do, but it's only one of the big component. Ours, ours is more, more so based on is employees growing and are they self-growing? So how are they saying, hey, by the way, I need this course, this class, it's going to influence X. And that's really what we look for. And that to me, because my mission is to grow people through structured education and new experiences. And if we do that consistently and I see that and it starts to be asked of me, wow, we have a successful company and we're on a journey. And we do projections. We use a set of analytics to do projections and we use projections based on current portfolio, expected growth portfolio. And then we use just a set of numbers. And so we use a system, uh, systemized approach. We've never had the aspiration to be into $250 million company. That's not what we were designed for. We're designed to go solve problems for very specific verticals. And that's what our focus is. And success is terrific when we add the amount of value we say we will add. If we say we're going to sell them a half a million dollars, that's a half a million dollars in value that we're adding, not revenue gained. And so we see it just differently and we approach it differently. Yeah, see, I think that's important for leaders, managers, even you know people who are in the trenches to understanding the service industry that you can use metrics all day long. But, <laughs> but if you don't have a definition of what that looks like and say of a success, it doesn't matter. Does not matter. Doesn't matter at all. I, I can that. tell you, if you don't have, have all of that clearly defined, even if you hit that 50 or 100 million, or the, like the company I'm coaching, 120, you can hit that number all day long, but it means nothing. And you'll see that if you are hitting those numbers, usually if you don't have a very defined plan, your expenses will outpace your revenue number. And that's why most businesses are out of business in five years, 90 yeah. some odd percent. That's why expenses are outpacing your, your revenue stream. What do you think are some of the most common mistakes that people make when they're, when they're trying to brand their service, their service business? And, like, and how do you avoid them? Well, 
I would say back in the day was, and I use that term, that's terrible. My grandson says that to me. Papa, back, back in, the in the day. Like he has a back <laughs> in the day. He's five. And I, I would say for me, 40 years ago, was thinking I could just do it all alone. And because when we're a small business, when there's only two, three, five, six people deep, and you're leading those three or four, six other people, you really have a tremendous responsibilities. And initially, I just, I'm the reason this thing exists. This is great. I'm going to just fix all these problems and yeah. I'll solve all these issues because I'm going to be the all-knowing. And then all of a sudden you have a, this rude awakening. For me, from you know the early 80s, 90, uh, 89 was the first economic downturn during business for me. And I learned really quick, whoa, you got to have more people. And they say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to build something, bring a team. And so, and there's a play on those words and depends on which content you read it from. But my own phrase is, is that that's what it is. If I want to go fast, I was great. I was able to build a business very quickly, but it's not sustainable Yeah. until the team is there. And you've got to be able to trust your team. You got to be able to grow the team. And that became my number one priority in a very short order. Entrepreneurs have a hard time letting go stuff. They want to do it all themselves. Especially early. Yeah. 40 yeah. years ago, let's say 35 years ago, because at five, five years in, I was still holding on to all of the things. Even up to 20 years ago, I signed every single invoice approving before it would leave our office. Yeah. And that was a thousand invoices a month. And I was literally reading and reviewing every single invoice because I wanted to make sure in, in one of our very, in our mission, it says, we're going to be, we're going to give you the best service for the best price, the best price we can possibly give you and still pay our people. And that's, we're committed to that. And so, so much so that I was scrutinized every single invoice until the team had that same core value about them. And of course, I haven't done that in over 20 years, but it's, I still randomly check stuff. I look at numbers. Today, we have a different set of analytics I get, and I'm still able to keep things in check that way. But it's we're going to give the best service at the best price for our company to you, but we have to manage that. Yeah. With all of your experience and the people that you work with in your circle, if you're going to give advice to a service business looking to improve their branding efforts, you know, to help them stand out from the crowd, what would you, what would you tell them? Authenticity is a standout. Authenticity is readable. It's readable by your second or third engagement. And if your first engagement is not authentic, a lot of people don't pick up on that. By the second one, they start challenging, saying, mm, can I trust this guy? And they do that by reluctance in responding to the communication, whether it's text, email, whatever the communication is. If you see there's a pause or a reluctance, yes, everybody's busy. There may be some delays, but if the delay becomes intentional, then we know that we're not speaking or being understood as authentic. And that's important. It's critical that we have an authenticity so real in business that sometimes it hurts because you don't align with everybody. When you're super authentic, you will find the people that are not a good match and you need to figure out how to just move on. I don't align well with X or that brand or that model. We're going to exit 
and because there's plenty of other ones that we really do align with. And so everybody doesn't like everybody in the world, right? You cannot be liked by a few people and it can't hurt you anymore. You have to be able to be tough to that, but you also have to recognize it. And you have to recognize your buyers are the same. They are looking for authenticity and they can trust you. And if you give them more than anyone else in an authentic way, that's the brand. That's, that's your model and you will win. Give them more than any of your competition needs and wants, give them more of that, and you're going to do extremely well in an authentic way. If you're not authentic, if you're trying to fake something, though, you won't do a lot of business. Yeah, I love that. When you were talking about the experience you had with uh, one of our clients that was, you know, that was like relating to you, uh, you know, at the job site, to me, that was, that made me wonder, I'm like, how do you incorporate, you know, customer feedback in your branding efforts? And, you know, what role does that feedback play uh, in kind of shaping your brand identity? How's that, how's that worked out for you and for others that you know? Well, his comments were aligned with exactly what our targets are, my personal mission and why we are in business. Being in business isn't about being in business. Being in business is about impacting. And impacting lies very intentional. For us, it's very clear. Education, care for people. And we, all, we always say, we care for people like we would our grandmother. The highest level of integrity and respect and communication. It's super easy if you just use that simple thing. Treat them like you would treat your grandmother. And it's recognized regularly by our clients. And we're well known, certainly in our space of service in the facility side, we're known across all verticals in that space. They just know who CGP is. We've been around a really long time. Yeah. And they know we care for our people. Has that feedback, I guess it would be not only from your clients, but also from your team, I guess, that would that really kind of shape that and develop that? I know it's a core characteristic of who you are, but did it did that communication back to you and to your team play a role in kind of defining and redefining or constantly defining what that looks like? <laughs> I would say no. It's uh, because... The reason I really got better at business was because I cared more for people. And being able to do that in a very authentic way has ended up resulting in employees saying, geez, I, you know, I've never worked for a company like this. Like you, like you care. And I've heard it from all levels, from, from the entry to the highest level of management, they're like, man, I've worked for, you know, 10 other companies, five other companies. Nobody has ever taken care of us like this. And it just blows their mind. And to me, I'm just hearing what I am supposed to be doing. And so it does reaffirm that I'm on the right track, that we are impacting people. The company is impacting people, not only our team, but it's visible to the outside world that's not in the inside circles. They see how we interact on job sites, what we do from our organizational skills to our cleanliness, et cetera. And they see that's from direct care for our employees. That's interesting. Kind of like what, what was that old saying? You have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I like that. That's, that's really cool. If, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is like, there's so many shifts, and this is actually kind of will feed back into that same question. So many shifts 
and trends and what's going on with branding and marketing and stuff like that. How do you stay up to date with what's going on? Like for you or, or the people in your circle, what, what is the kind of key there? Well, I'm just reading and being in the circles is really how I stay current. So for me, I'm in a couple of groups per week. There's a couple that I'm in on a monthly basis, and then I'm interacting with other businesses because I'm leading and coaching their leadership. And that keeps me very current. If you're only running your own business and you stick to your core values, you'll do well. You won't have an immense amount of growth, but you'll do well. You'll do okay. As long as you're super authentic and committed to driving that result, you'll do well. It's when you start getting all them other businesses in your circle, those leaders of all them other companies, those people are contributing at various levels that you don't even realize until you pose a question or an answer because they all give you feedback in those circles, in those mastermind groups, in those leadership groups. And it gives you an, an, an immense following. And if you don't have, if you're not in a circle like that, I would encourage all the listeners to make sure that they have a mastermind group to participate in. Because there's tremendous uh, power in, in, in the group. And you can pose a question, hey, I'm working on X. What do you guys think? Or what do you girls think? Et cetera. You'll get massive content back. And then you're still very authentic to your own company and your own brand. But they're going to give you feedback and it'll help guide what you need to be doing. So join a group for sure. Don't, don't keep thinking you just have to work 80 hours a week. You got to work 60, 70 hours a week, but you got to devote five or 10 to those other groups because they need you and you need them. Very important. Do you feel like your, your company, your vision of how things are shifted or was influenced or gave you resources, inspiration, and guidance from those groups? Like, did it really shift when you started going to mastermind groups for you? It did for me because they say the teacher is the one being taught. And I've always, I've always just felt that. And the, the more I'm contributing, it's like these podcasts, it's this other, more I'm contributing is the more I learn. Yeah. You get what you give. And if you are giving of whatever those gifts are, you get those gifts back. They say you want to experience more love, give more love. You want to experience more money, you got to give more money. And eventually it changes to where you can't outpace what's trying to be given back to you. And so being able to understand just that, it has really impacted me. I was, I was asked this last December in a very specific group, why do you keep coming back? And I said, well, because I'm impacting a lot of people in this group. And in that group, I have about 25. And in that circle, my comments were very, very straightforward is I feel as though I'm impacting somebody or multiple people in this room because the day I don't feel like I'm impacting is the day I stop growing, and so do they. And so mm -hmm. I have to change groups. So teaching is the way we are taught. We have to give if we want to receive, and you have to give first before you're going to receive it. So if you're in, if you're in a new business, you got to figure out how to get in these circles and start contributing because you have a lot of gifts to give. Don't just always work because it's not going to pay off. It will pay off way later, but you're going to be dead by then. You're just going to be so mentally, physically spent. You're not going to be worth a damn for your families or others. So join a group, contribute, give back, 
and you'll start getting more from that. You'll start growing. Awesome. One last question before we go. We're going to wrap up. All right. Already? Let's do it. One big one. Let's go. How do you or how do the other leaders make sure that their service brand remains relevant and resonates with their target audience? How do they do it? What's the secret there? 40 years, you've been doing this for a while. You, <laughs> you have some experience with this consistently, I'm sure. But what's the secret? How do you, how do you, how do you stay relevant? Staying relevant is paying attention to what people need. Um, being a stabilizer in chaos, going through COVID, we had to figure out how to stabilize. And I could tell you out of all the CEOs I work with, some, some significantly older than I, some very young, generationally, lots of different generations that we work with and, and, and talk with. Learning to lead through that was a brand new curve for us. And if you were in a leadership role during the COVID, the pandemic, it was really teaching us, one, to slow down. It was teaching us to pay attention to what others needed. And when we went through that cycle, basically, and there's still some, you know, things coming from that. But I think the teaching of that, because we had to pay attention. We had companies that were being basically ready to falter because of complete shutting things down. And it really, really took a toll on businesses, not just ours, but everyone across the board. Some, some are never coming back. They're now working for other people. Yeah. And businesses are just permanently gone. So I think that was a big teaching opportunity. It's much like I say with health opportunities and other things. That it's an opportunity to slow down. Things happen for us, not to us. And those things are happening so we slow down enough to pay attention to something, whatever that is. And it's typically an education. It's slowing us so we connect differently. So to be authentic in that new role is to be, you know, staying con connected 40 years later. Our core values haven't changed. We didn't falter on any of those. We flexed our performance models. We flexed how we get things done. But hanging a piece of drywall is still going up the exact same way today as it went 40 years ago. Serving the customer is exactly the same today in connection and service. It's just higher. Yeah. So the need, the need to connect is just extremely demanding today compared to what it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago. We didn't have the high demand of the phone. The phone has made us all demanding. I mean, you buy a house, a car, or a sandwich with your phone, and you can get it in 10, 15 minutes. We as buyers and service have all became that same demand. It isn't going away. We've adapted to that. We may be adjusting to uh, the demands because it's so slow compared to what we expect. We may be adjusting into that different market right now and becoming more tolerant of the lack of performance of some people. We have to be very careful with what that looks like in the future. But for ourselves, hold yourself to a high degree of standard. Don't compromise with yourself about your core values. Don't accept a client that wants you to compromise your values. Stick to your values. Be authentic. Be real. Serve. Give them more than anyone else. And you'll do extremely well. You'll be in business forever. Or enroll. This isn't just CEO yeah, business. Everyone. Enroll. You, even in these roles, managers got to figure out how to give more than anyone else and they'll receive more. Give more what you want. Give and you will receive. <laughs> Heard that before somewhere. 
somewhere. <laughs> All right, man. Oh, I love this. Let's wrap up. You know, there's so many things you were talking about staying relevant in brands and marketing. And I love getting your point of view on this subject because I mean, you like you said, and we talked about you can geek out on all the technology and the data and the and, and the, you know the statistics and the click rates and the blah blah blah, all that stuff. And it's all relevant, but I wanted to get your point of view on this because it, it's a different view. You know, it's a very entrepreneurial view on on what it means to brand and what it means to take your company through that journey over forty years and the challenges that you face. So thank you for sharing, man. That was really cool. Yeah. Thank you. It was really cool. being able to give us some feedback. You bet. All right. For everyone who is listening on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe. You don't want to miss those new episodes coming out. Uh, we have some amazing stuff coming up. And for those of you who are watching us on the YouTube channel, don't forget, click subscribe as well, but hit that bell for notifications so you know when new content comes out. For everyone here at Service Evolution, thank you guys. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you, Jim. Thank you.